0: This is Kidding Around, a kid health podcast for everyone. Parents, grandmas, teachers, anyone who touches the life of a child. And I'm your host, Dr. Candace, a board-certified pediatrician and a mom of two. I sit down with expert guests to answer your questions about all things baby, child, and teen. So if you're wondering, why does she do that? Or how can I get rid of that rash? I got you. Everybody, Dr. Candace here, and welcome to kidding Around. Thank you so much for listening. Today, our talk is a little more serious. We've had some fun ones, you know, kind of all over the place. I try to give you a mix. Um, But today, it can be a little serious, but it's very needed, very good information, especially if you have young children or high school, college athletes. This is a topic that we really need to be discussing and give you some basic information on. So my guest is Dr. Michelle Wallace. She is a pediatric cardiologist with Emory University School of Medicine. And she is going to help us discuss the PPE, and I'm going to let her explain to you what that means, and as it relates to sudden cardiac death in play on the field in sports. So welcome, Dr. Michelle Wallace. How are you? I am well. I am well. Thank you, Dr.
1: Candice, for having me.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for kidding around with me today and educating us on this very important topic. So let's just jump right in. What is the PPE?
1: So the PPE is the pre Participation Physical Evaluation, and it is a a document that was written by the by about six different organizations, including the American Academy of Family Practitioners and the American Academy of Pediatrics um, and endorsed by the American Heart Association and the National Athletic Trainers Association. And the goal of it is to identify um, issues in athletes um, that um, that may place them at higher risk for sudden death injury or illness during either practice or competition.
0: Absolutely, and that's really important, and for your, from your perspective today, we are going to um, focus more on the cardiac aspect of it or the heart aspect of it, but like you said, this document is, is about two to four pages long, depending on if you're using the document from the AAP and those other entities, or you're using one that's more tailored for your state or your school district. Um, but they're pretty much all the same. It's extensive. It has a history portion where you ask ask a lot of questions and a physical exam. And it's just not looking at the heart. It's looking at many elements of the family history and history of the athlete uh, to make sure that they're going to be safe and also healthy enough to play the sport. is that in that right? That's about right?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I always have given my background a particular focus on cardiovascular health, but really um, it's it's to identify many various aspects of a child's health that can affect their athletic participation. So I totally agree with that. So would you say that
0: all athletes, even the five year old playing Uh, rec league or the Pop Warner athletes that are, you know, eight or nine years old um, all the way up through high school and college should be, you should be
1: getting this evaluation? So there is some, um, debates about whether or not we need to do it in children as young as five. However, I think that the questions that are, are asked in the PPE, um, probably could be helpful in that age group as well. Um, but definitely the, the form was made uh, as a, to target the middle school to college level athletes because they tend to participate at a more rigorous level in activity. Mm-hmm. Um, but given the way some of our little leagues are playing nowadays, right. we probably do need to think about extending it to a younger population as well because they are training pretty hard. Yes.
0: And also, for me, I see a lot of middle schoolers, if we think on the young end of that recommendation, who the form was made for uh... that are playing outside of their school districts and they're Mm -hmm. not necessarily playing with uh... national level sports organizations like pop warner they're just kinda playing around the way with maybe a rec league or some group of parents formed it themselves kind of more low-key local (laughs) groups and these kids are really playing hard they may come in with injuries to me and i go "Mm, you didn't do a sports physical you know so just letting you guys know this PPE is also called sports physical or what we call a sports clearance and I noticed that a lot of them never came in for that evaluation. And the parents said that the organization never gave them anything to make sure they were safe for sports or healthy for sports. Not you not even considering that they might have asthma right. or allergies or anything. What are your thoughts right.
1: on that? Right. Well, I think it is a problem that we don't have national guidelines on this. Um, most um, states decide how they're going to approach this and then even delegate that responsibility to either the department. Department of Education or the um, High School Sports Association or the Trainers Association um, within various districts. So um, I do think that it's a problem that we don't have a national guideline um, to to help guide us. But that would even still exclude, like you said, some of these organizations that parents have formed um, for, for, uh, for their children where Children are playing just as hard as they might have played in a, a league that is regulated, um, but they um, don't. Uh, they just don't have the the same resources to require this. So I, I think there's probably we probably need to evaluate this more at a national level um, and and make decisions about how we should approach this at every level.
0: Right. It may even require some um, advocacy advocacy at the government level to make it you yeah. know standard across the uh, board right
1: exactly Absolutely. Exactly.
0: how how, um, let's talk about some incidents or prevalence of this. Is this common? Is this rare? And we're talking about sudden cardiac related death on the field and in play. Because, you know, it's a big deal. We, you know, have seen every now and then it hit the media where an athlete has collapsed and died on the field. We know some of that's related to cardiac, but some of it may be related to something else. So is this something that we, that happens all the time?
1: So it actually is not, okay. um, you know, it, the problem is that it garners a lot of, uh, media attention and it, uh, causes a lot of, um, emotional, um, I guess expense to a community when a, a mm-hmm. child in particular does die suddenly. But when we actually look at the numbers, um, and it's estimated that only approximately 0.2 percent of the population is likely uh, affected by um, by, one of the more common causes of sudden cardiac death, which is hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. But when you take into account um, all of the potential reasons that one might die suddenly um, from a cardiac related cause, the incidence is way less. So, when we talk about these screening protocols, we're really looking for a needle in a haystack for Mm -hmm. things that aren't very common. But however, they cause a lot of devastation emotionally to families and communities when they do occur and certainly garner a lot of media attention.
0: Right, absolutely. So go ahead and mention to us some of the, maybe the top three to top five um, causes of sudden cardiac related death in play.
1: Well, so that can vary depending on the population that you look at. Um, however, most um, studies have shown that hypertrophic cardiomyopathy is the number one cause of sudden cardiac death um, amongst varying populations. But this can also vary somewhat by age. But when you look at probably about 18 years and above, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy starts to play a little bit more of a role in that population. Um, another potential com- uh potential cause of cardiac death um, would be to have abnormal coronary arteries. So the coronary arteries are the blood vessels that are required to feed the heart muscle itself. And some people have abnormal origins of those coronary arteries that can contribute to that, Um, contribute to, and excuse me, that can contribute to um, poor blood flow, particularly during um, high, highly intense activity um, and cause subsequent arrhythmias, um, heart attacks, cardiac and sudden cardiac death. Um, also there are some people that have genetic predisposition to having certain arrhythmias. Um, so for instance, there is a subset of the population that has something called long QT syndrome, Mm -hmm. um, where they have abnormal baseline EKGs, but they're at higher risk, um, for developing an arrhythmia that might cause sudden cardiac death. Um, and Again, those are some of the more common causes Mm -hmm. that we think of, but they are not very common in the general population overall. Right.
0: Right. And, you know, the thing that's so scary about it, I think that really shocks people when it occurs, is that this child or this athlete is usually asymptomatic.
1: Exactly. So it just hits you out of nowhere. Exactly. Like it's, it's very devastating because they may not have any symptoms. Their first symptom may be death. Um, and so that's, we don't take it lightly that that is very devastating um, and makes people want to do more to try to figure out a way to identify these athletes in advance.
0: Yeah, and, and also these are things that just your normal garden variety physical exam or checkup with your doctor may not pick up either.
1: Exactly, exactly. Um, And so that's why we are recommending that patients, before they participate in sports, um, definitely that physicians consider using the uh, PPE or at least the American Heart Association guidelines to try to tease out family history and personal medical history and physical exam findings that may make you more suspicious, Um, plus or minus the electrocardiogram which had Mm -hmm. there's a lot of controversy about that as well about using that in screening as well Um, but it can be very it can be very difficult because we know that even with the PPE and the American Heart Association guidelines we still may miss some people that this may happen to.
0: Absolutely. So let's move on to the forms. I actually have them right before me and I see them a lot in the primary care office, as you probably know. <laughs> and we are connected in this and many other thing findings that we may find in the office. Um, but let's go through this just a little bit. So what are the elements of the PPE that are specifically related to screening the
1: heart? So the PPE incorporates a lot of what the American Heart Association has recommended. So the American Heart Association has recommended at least 14 points that should be used to screen patients. And the uh, PPE actually includes about 13 of those 14 points, plus adds some additional um, points that uh, may help uh, identify patients, for instance, with something called long QT syndrome. Um, So it includes asking patients, are you experiencing exertional chest pain? Are you having any episodes of unexplained syncope and syncope is, just means passing out mm-hmm. or having unexplained episodes of near syncope where you almost faint. Um, are you having any difficulty breathing with exertion? Is there any fatigue, excessive fatigue that you're experiencing with exertion that you may not have experienced in the past? Um, do you have a history of a heart murmur? Have you had any problems with having elevated blood pressures in the past? It also touches on family history. Um, Is there a family history of premature death, particularly in those less than 50 years of age? Um, Or is there a family history of specific causes of sudden cardiac death, such as hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, dilated cardiomyopathy, long QT syndrome, Marfan syndrome, or a family history of known arrhythmias? Mm -hmm. And then it goes on to address, uh, to give the the physician or the clinician performing the exam certain things to alert them um, that there may be a cardiac problem. So for instance, a heart murmur that's not consistent with your typical innocent murmur that we may hear in children. Um, If their pulses are abnormal, particularly the pulses in their legs when you compare them to their arms, do they have certain features that match um, a disease process called Marfan syndrome, um, where they may be at higher risk for having abnormal hearts and blood vessels outside of the heart as well. Um, And checking their blood pressure. Is their blood pressure elevated and appropriately? So those are some those are some of the AHA uh, recommendations that the PPE covers. But the PPE also has physician screening for unexplained seizures, which can be a marker of arrhythmia. It Mm -hmm. could be a neurologic issue as well, but we also have to keep in mind that it may be arrhythmia. Mm -hmm. Um, It asks patients about a family history of having a pacemaker or a defibrillator, which may be a secondary way of assessing that there may be an arrhythmia problem in the family, Mm -hmm. as well as it adds questions about uh, the family history of unexplained fainting seizures or near drowning which again may give us a sense of whether or not a family may be at higher risk for long qt syndrome brugada syndrome or other ion channelopathies um so it's kind of a secondary way of trying to assess that it may not be the cause but it gives us a way a a way to start the investigation within a family
0: right absolutely that's that's great that's very that was very um Detailed information. And so if you're listening and you hear some of this and you're thinking, oh, yeah, oh, okay. I got to, you know, talk to your doctor about that and make sure that you go over these things. Now, I want to add that this section of the history form is supposed to be completed by, you know, with the parents and the child. I like mine completed before I even go into the room to see the patient so they thought it through, asked each other, you know, because the parent often has to ask the child some of those questions. Are you feeling lightheaded when you play? Have you almost fainted? Are you having trouble when you're really running heavy and, and, and deep into the practice? So it's very important that you spend time with that and really think and answer those truthfully and not be scared. If I say yes, she's not going to let me play. <laughs>
1: absolutely. Absolutely. Because, because, because a positive evalu- a positive screen doesn't necessarily mean that there's a true problem, right. but it's important that we investigate it and make sure that we aren't missing something that could be serious.
0: Right. It's it's a very unnerving experience because when I see some positives and I really uh, investigate and talk to the family and and complete my examination and I go you know I think I've called you I've called you before and sort of curbside you consult wise like this is what's going on with this kid I think he's okay but he he has that positive screen I'm going to do this 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 from a cardiac perspective do you think he's he's okay what should I do and we've kind of we always help each other as physicians right
1: (laughs) correct correct
0: correct. (laughs) I I know when I need help right and so it's not so cut and dry it can be gray and with the family, the child, the doctor, and especially if I, is I, if I have to get them on the phone, we'll do it. But sometimes it's positive and you need more workup, right? And Correct. so therefore we may have to put that clearance on hold. And I get a little nervous and, and, you know, I get, oh, I'm so sorry because oftentimes they bring the form in the day before, the week before and this is a sport they love, they may have been doing it for years, and it's very disappointing to be held out, especially if you're one of the best athletes. Um, so it can be it can be so, tough to get through that conversation and they leave without clearance and still have to take some more steps before they can be cleared.
1: Absolutely. And that's why it's really recommended that patients try to have their PPEs completed at least six weeks before right. their season starts um, to give you enough time to ha- make decisions about participation and get the additional studies needed completed. Um, but if you don't give your physician enough time, um, then we may wind up being held at a critical time during training and practice.
0: Yes, yes, yes. So uh, I often tell them your your delay cannot now be my emergency. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. After I'm hand holding and hugging saying I'm sorry, I still have to say, hey, but you know, it's tomorrow. Come
1: on now. (laughs) Right, right. But you know, your health is of utmost importance to us. So we rather be safe than to be sorry. Yep. And that's what I'm responsible for. That's
0: right. So now let's get an example so let's talk for instance a positive cardiac screen from my perspective as a primary care um, or a pediatrician so sometimes for me commonly it may be a murmur that the family never had heard about before I don't see uh, prior documentation of and it just doesn't sound benign like you said or something that we uh, sound that we don't worry about okay um, it also may be that strong uh, family history uh, that you mentioned, uh, sudden death before the age of 50 and things of that nature. There may be some positives in there. And so after I do what I do, I say, you know, I really think you need to be take further steps to be clear, to make sure you're safe and healthy to play. So I'm going to send you to the cardiologist. Let's just give them a little example because you see that. So talk about what mm-hmm. happens on your end.
1: So most when patients come to see us, um, we then um, do some of the similar things that you have done in your office, which is to ask about the family history. But a lot of times we'll get more in-depth family history as well. And mm-hmm. we typically ask parents to come with as much of their family history as they potentially can. Mm-hmm. Um, the patients then get a detailed cardiovascular evaluation. We evaluate them why they're, while they're sitting, while they're lying, while they're standing, um, particularly if they have a murmur to get a sense of how the murmur behaves in different positions because yes. that can be a sign as to whether or not they're uh, are, can be a sign of a true cardiovascular disease, um, and help us discern whether it's something benign or or not, or pathologic. Um frequently, they'll also get an electrocardiogram, um, which can help us evaluate for abnormal heart rhythms. Um, But it can also sometimes give us a sense of whether the heart is giving off a stronger signal than it should, Mm -hmm. or whether the heart isn't resetting itself electrically in an appropriate way. Um, That may be a hint to a child having hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. Mm -hmm. And then based on our physical exam, and our EKG, and hearing the family history, will decide whether or not the patient may need an echocardiogram or an ultrasound of the heart uh, to help us further tease out some of the structural abnormalities um, that can contribute to sudden cardiac death as well.
0: That's right. And then some kids may even need a, a stress test.
1: Absolutely. Some may need a stress test. But uh, again, it's not something Mm -hmm. that all kids need. All children do not need an echo, and all children don't necessarily need a stress test. But based on what we see on the EKG or what we get from the family history, or even what we see on the ultrasound should they need one, uh, we'll decide if they need a stress test.
0: Absolutely. And then, so on the form again, when I find things that need to have further clearance, I'll flip that paper over, give my recommendation on the form, and give it back to the family. It won't be ultimately signed off. So that paper needs to stay with you. Go to the specialist. Go to the cardiologist. They do their thing, and if you are cleared, they will give that final clearance on your paperwork. And if you're not, of course, you'll follow their recommendations. But this paper is so important to ensure the safety and the health of your young athlete. And it stays with you and I would keep a record as well. So moving on, you just talked about it. You know, we decide if you're cleared or not. If you're not cleared, what does that mean long term? Are you ever going to be cleared for sports or is there something we need to do and then we can get back to it? And I know, as we all know, and I'm probably sure you're going to say, it just depends, right?
1: Absolutely. It really depends on what we find. Um, There are certain disease processes where we universally restrict children from competitive or varsity level sports such mm-hmm. as um hypertrophic cardiomyopathy particularly if you have evidence of a truly thick heart by ultrasound right. um children that have um marfan syndrome um we'll, we we t- typically uh, restrict all of them universally universally excuse me from um highly competitive sports however Being restricted from highly competitive sports does not mean that we do not want your child to be active. Um, There are still many different activities that your child can participate in um, that may not um, require as intense training, um, but Mm -hmm. they can still stay heart healthy Mm -hmm, and active Mm -hmm. and um, Maintain a healthy weight category. So we do work with families to try to find activities um, To steer their children into that are appropriate for their their cardiovascular Disease or process
0: and that is so important. What are some things that? Coaches parents are there some layers of protection that they can also have uh, to help to prevent um, these
1: dangers in playing sports? So, I think, you know, one is being in constant uh, conversation with your athletes, keeping open uh, levels of dialogue between the between your athlete and your coach and your parents because what mm-hmm. you want to encourage is your children to be honest with you about That's what's right. going on and um, because a lot of what we are searching for relies upon knowledge of the symptoms that the patient is experiencing um it's also really important that families talk to each other and share information amongst each other about potentially lethal health problems that they may have because some of this is genetic Mm -hmm, and we, we can screen for this um You know with sometimes even with blood work, so it's important that we talk to each other about our family history And I know um, Particularly where I'm located a lot of times families don't like to talk about what's going on They like to (laughs) kind of deal with it in silence exactly But this is important for this could potentially affect other family members in your family And so we want to be sure to take care of them appropriately But then once we get out to the the field Another thing that's very, very important is that we think about what protective measures are in place or what, what is our plan should something happen mm-hmm. when we're out on the field. So coaches and trainers and athletic organizations um, associated with the school should have an emergency action plan in place right. because we know that we're going to miss some things with screening and that we need a backup plan in case something were to occur. So having um, people trained in CPR and having um, an AED or an automatic external defibrillator available for use um, is very helpful in secondary prevention of sudden death. Um, We know that when you have people that are trained and that the sooner that they get in there, you know, every minute that we are not doing CPR or Using our AEDs, we're decreasing survival by six to seven percent. But if having these things available to us, we can improve survival by up to 89 percent once an event does occur. Hmm. So it's important that we we have these uh, these secondary prevention programs in place at our schools, at our Little League, Pop Warner events and have people trained and knowledgeable in how to move forward
0: absolutely that that's so key and and like you said it's important that parents may need to ask those questions when in deciding if their child is going to play with a particular organizations What is your emergency action plan for X, Y, Z? Who's trained to handle X, Y, Z? It's so important. You know, we don't want to be a nuisance or helicopter parents, but that stuff is so important to know and be comfortable so you can sit back and watch them play and not worry that if something happens, not even related to the heart, anything, that they are prepared to handle emergencies. Very important.
1: Absolutely.
0: And the other thing you said, which was key that I see a lot, and going back to when I said they don't want to put yes answers on the history form, is also changing that culture, that mentality in sports, especially kind of like at the high school level, and I'm thinking of our young men, how we try to hide symptoms. And finally, when they come to see me, it's like, oh, it's been going on all year. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Exactly. exactly. You know, because they want to be tough and the coaches push it, you know, oh, you all right. And, you know, make them push through. They really need to be heard. They really need to be encouraged to tell when they're having those symptoms and to be educated to know what symptoms are really alarming. Tell me. That's a part of that
1: action plan. Absolutely, absolutely, and it's okay to sit out for a little bit, yes, encouraging encouraging you know athletes to know that it's okay to sit out for a little bit um, so we can make sure that your health is okay that's because right. this is we want a healthy player. that's right, and so absolutely.
0: now, the other thing I wanted to ask you was, and you you alluded to it earlier, going into the collegiate level, very high level of play in young athletes um, you know, like you said, that emotional response. So parents and different people may may be asking, do more, do more, do more screening, screening, because, you know, that's a knee jerk thing, you know, can't you just, check for more things, can't you just do a whole body scan, you know, <laughs> <Absolutely>, <laughs> to make sure absolutely. this doesn't happen. If we can save one child, we need to do what we need to do. But is that really helpful? And I'm thinking about the debate that's even going on within the medical field of how much is too much, what really is going to be helpful and not be helpful if we need to do EKGs on everybody or, you know, what, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, so this is a very uh, difficult question because the... <laughs> The like, like you were saying, there's an emotional expense that we pay as a society, as a family, um, as a community. Uh, we whenever we lose a, a, a child in particular, um, but really any any athlete of any age, it, it becomes uh, really devastating for the community. So um, there is that cost there that some people will say. It's worth it. Mm-hmm. It's worth it so if we can if we can do one thing. But the honest to goodness truth is that we're looking for the needle in the haystack. And so sometimes when we start talking about um, you know cost effectiveness, um, that's where we get into trouble, particularly with trying to start national screening programs. Mm-hmm. Um, how much is this going to cost? Is this occurring enough that it's worth the the cost of mm-hmm. um training people to um be skilled in in doing these screenings um is it worth the cost of the studies or the equipment needed to perform mm-hmm. the studies um and so a lot of times those numbers don't seem to add up particularly when you compare it to something of higher prevalence such as motor vehicle accidents mm-hmm. and the cost of programs um, that encourage patient or encourage um citizens to put on a seatbelt right, right. um, those things seem to be worth it from a pure financial standpoint not taking into the to account the emotion or right. um, cost um, so that can be a very difficult question to answer um, certainly EKGs have been shown to increase the sensitivity of our screening mm-hmm. but when we look at its ability to truly pull out patients who um, have True cardiac disease that might uh, need to, that they might need to be restricted from activity for right. um, the the actual ability given the low prevalence of sudden cardiac death in the in the society um, is is actually pretty low, and right. there are going to be a number of patients that are going to receive a lot of additional screening right. for something that they don't even have. Okay. Um, so it can become difficult to reconcile the cost that goes into that with the number of patients that would truly experience that. And keeping in mind, too, that you know not every patient that has hypertrophic cardiomyopathy is necessarily going to have sudden cardiac death, and not yeah. every patient that has um, the genetic predisposition for long QT syndrome is going to necessarily have an arrhythmia and sudden cardiac death. So it's, it's difficult. Difficult to even predict within certain subpopulations who's going to truly be affected. Um, So while there are, it does expand the number of things that we can identify, we don't really have a good sense if we're making uh, an impact on the uh, degree of sudden cardiac death. And a lot of the the argument for using EKGs comes from the Italian experience. But even if you look at the Italian experience where they showed that there was a decrease in the mortality, they compared about two years of pre participation or pre pre participation screening to about 20 years of post pre participation screening. Um, And so with with EKGs, so um, so some would say we we weren't really comparing apples to apples there. And on top of that, we were only including we were only really looking at a small community within Italy. Mm-hmm. This didn't necessarily represent the entire um, Italian athletic experience, right. right? So, how generalizable is this to our population? Um, Israel did a similar um, study, but they used more consistent pre and post um, periods in terms of um, I think it was about 10 to 12 years pre and about 10 to 12 years post Um, and they really didn't see any or change in their uh, sudden cardiac death rate Um, so again it becomes difficult to generalize Um, and then you also have to keep in mind in Italy what their number one cause of sudden cardiac death isn't hypertrophic cardiomyopathy it is another disease process um, that causes arrhythmias so maybe screening with EKGs in that population may be a little bit more beneficial than doing that in the United States. And so all of these arguments exist. Um, And I think that that we have a long way to go before we can really say, yes, every child should receive an ECG.
0: It'll be interesting to see where that goes.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Right.
0: Well, thank you so much. We've wrapped it up. I think you've given us great information and with this talk all parents should be should fully understand how important the PPE is And be equipped to get it done and keep up with it and understand the elements. So I think this was very helpful in keeping our young athletes safe, making sure they're healthy for sports, and understanding there's more to it than just playing and being good and all that good stuff, right?
1: Absolutely. We have to set the foundation. Your health is important.
0: That's right. You have to set the foundation. So I truly appreciate you, Dr. Wallace, for coming to Kid Around and educate us today.
1: Thank you very much for having me. I truly enjoyed it.
0: And we hope that you'll be our resident cardiologist in the future <laughs> and continue <laughs> to educate us on on uh, cardiac-related um, issues. And thanks to my listeners. Uh, that's it. That's all we have for today. And we'll talk soon. I hope you enjoyed this episode and learn something today to promote health and well-being in children. Let me know by subscribing to my website at drcandicemd.com and to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud at Kidding Around with Dr. Candace. Feel free to leave me comments and questions. I would love to hear them, and you never know, they may be on the show. Also, follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at drcandicemd. If you would like for me to be involved with your kid-related event or be a health expert on air, please feel free to contact me at info at Thanks for listening. We'll kid around soon.